Hey there, GPSers, and welcome back to another edition of the GPS Podcast, where all of your podcast dreams come true. I hope that you are doing well today, whenever and wherever you find yourself. And I just wanted to let you know that we are resuming our typical class setup on April 4th, Easter Sunday, and so I want to invite you to be back if you have been away for a while. We would love to see you again. Easter Sunday is always a big day for our congregation, and so we have a lot planned for that day with services both inside and outside, a meal in the morning, and classes returning to hopefully very similar to the way they were before we ended up taking a bit of a break for the last year and as we've been in these spaced out settings for a while. But also know that if you are not yet comfortable being in that setting, we're also going to be providing a classroom in the gym where masks and spacing will be required. And so we have that option for you as well. But also know that this GPS podcast will continue for the foreseeable future. So if you're not able to make it, we still want to provide this opportunity each week as a way for you to engage with our class and with our congregation. We are coming to the end of a series that we started back in January called A Gospeled Life, A 90-Day Journey with Jesus, where we've been reading a chapter out of the Gospels, one a day for 90 days. And today, we're going to be looking at a passage in John 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus says, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for these words of Jesus that continue to speak fresh to us. And I pray that today, as we reflect on them, that you would give me the gift of preaching and teaching, and that you would give us all the gift of open hearts, that we would hear your voice, and we would be transformed by it more into the image of your Son, Jesus. And it's in His name we pray, by the power of the Spirit. Amen. Growing up, I had the gift of a large backyard. 
If you were to stand on the square concrete porch connected to the back of our house, then you would see many signs of a childhood dream for playing outside. To the right, if you were to look, we had an above-ground swimming pool. Just over that pool was a large garden my parents tended in the summer. If you turned to the left, you would see sloping upward. At the top of a hill was a tree that could both be climbed or double as a home base when I played baseball with my cousins. But if you were to look straight out from my house, directly behind it, you would see a set of vines growing. There were two wooden posts with wire running from one to the other. And then curling around those vines were thick green vines that every summer would be filled with dark purple grapes. I remember going out to those wires with those vines wrapped around them every summer, and I loved looking for grapes. Running my fingers through the thick green leaves, feeling my fingers run through the curling wooden branches. Even today, I'm miles away from that moment, but the image is still so vivid. Those vines curling, intermingling in the hot sun, I can still see the vines taste the grapes, and feel connected by the power of both the image and my experience with the image. And I cannot help but think of that image in my mind and those memories as a child whenever I hear these words of Jesus in our text. Because whether the disciples realized it or not, In that moment where Jesus speaks these words to them, He is holding up a rich image for them and for us that they would have to hold on to even after He was gone from their midst. That is the important context for our teaching today. Jesus is about to leave. This moment in John 15 is a part of a larger discourse that's happening in the Gospel of John. The scene officially begins in chapter 13 when Jesus gathers with his closest followers to wash their feet and to inform them that his days are numbered, that he will not be with them much longer. And then Jesus begins in chapter 14 a series of teachings of final words that are some of the most intimate and important teaching that Jesus gives in John's entire gospel. In this section of teaching, Jesus is guiding and teaching His disciples this one final time. He's leaving them with some closing words, promises, instructions, and images that are to be with them after He leaves. There is this tension that Jesus is trying to navigate in these closing chapters, the tension between the fact that He is not going to be with them much longer, yet that He's also going to be with them through the presence of His Spirit. 
And he's going to be present with them through the presence of these teachings and images he gives to them as well. And while he's given them six images so far in the gospel, six I am statements, he here gives them a seventh image that serves as a kind of culmination about who he is, who God is, and who they are in relationship to both. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Twice in these closing words, packed tightly together in the teaching, Jesus gives them this image of a vine that grows with thick, dense branches producing a rich harvest of fruit that will be a natural outgrowth of their relationship with Him. Jesus in this moment is giving the disciples something they can hold on to that can help them move deeper into relationship with Him, the vine, and their father, the vine grower. In this moment, Jesus is calling His disciples into something deeper, deeper relationship with Jesus. Jesus was not giving these disciples just kind of any ordinary image. Jesus was giving these disciples something that they needed even though they may not have even realized it in the moment. And whether we know it or not, Jesus is also giving us something that we need in this passage. He's giving us a reminder of our need to be in deep relationship with the vine and vine grower. Because whether we know it or not, what it means to be a disciple is to go deep with Jesus. Around the late 60s and early 70s, a young man exited his seminary in hopes to change the world. His changing of the world, he thought, would start with a small church where he was assigned to work, but soon into his time with the congregation, he realized he didn't have the resources of depth to pastor his people in a meaningful way. And so with his realization, along with other key influences at the time, he began a search for a more meaningful way of life. He read and studied and talked and wrote. And by 1978, that writing turned into a book trying to capture a way of living the Christian life that would take him deeper. That book, Celebration of Discipline, The Path to Spiritual Growth, ended up being named as one of the top 10 most influential and important books of the 20th century. One of the things that I've always remembered about this book are the opening words, and I quote, Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. Even though Foster's writing occurred in 1978, we don't have to think very long to see how his words still carry with them relevance almost 40 years later. We are still tempted in our world 
to live lives that skip across the surface of the water. We too easily fall victim to amusing ourselves to death. We can make a big deal out of things that are not a big deal at all. And what can easily happen is not just that we face life this way, but we end up facing our spiritual lives this way. We can turn our faith into something shallow because we want faith to be instantaneous and immediate. We might even get maybe short-tempered with God because the change we think we should see does not appear on the timetable that we would prefer. So faith can easily become a shallow, me-centered exercise. But here's my hunch about you. And the reason I have this hunch is because of the congregation where I've worked for the last decade. And one of the things that I have learned by being with a community of faith over the last decade is that there is a lot of beauty contained within this community of faith and other communities of faith that I am not a part of. And one of the things that I have learned through my time with this church is that people desire depth, that people crave for faith to be deep and meaningful and substantial, that people really do want to be deeply connected to Jesus, to be deep in life and in things of faith. I think sometimes we can fall victim to what Foster calls this kind of superficial faith. But the more that I spend time with people of faith, I also know that there are those deeper desires still at work within us where we desire depth with Jesus. It's in how we engage Sunday after Sunday. It's in how we interact with each other through the week. It's in how we adopt ministries and take on new initiatives, not out of obligation, but out of a desire to move deeper into the life of God. And there is a word that Jesus uses in our passage today that I think is this key word for any of us who want to go deeper with Jesus, who want to resist some of these superficial ways of doing faith. And that word is abide. Or as some translations say, remain, and even some others, they say the word stay. But whatever translation you have, the idea that Jesus is communicating here is central. The path of abiding is the path of going deep with Jesus. Now, personally, I prefer the word abide, even though, like I said, many translations use words like remain or stay or live. And the reason I like the word abide is because it's not as familiar of a word in our world. And so when I hear it, I hope that it puts us a little off center, makes us turn our head in curiosity a bit. And what you should know is that this word is used a lot in the Gospel of John. 
In our eight verses that we just read, it's used a total of eight times. But in the Gospel of John as a whole, it's used nearly 70 times. Nearly 60% of the times this word is used in the New Testament are found in John's Gospel. In short, John likes this word, and it is all over the place in his gospel. Now, though it's tempting for me to just read those 60-plus references in my sermon, and I know you would really like for me just to do that with the rest of our time, I'm, I'm going to resist that temptation and that extra spice I could put into my sermon. And instead, I want to focus on two aspects of this word that I think help us to see the texture of the Word and this invitation of Jesus. First, when this Word is first used in the Gospel of John, it happens at a very interesting moment. John the Baptist uses it when he describes the baptism of Jesus, where John says, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it remained or abided on Jesus. There is the sense that God shows up to live and dwell with us. God is the one who abides with us. God is one who is present with us. God is present to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And this isn't just a temporary kind of thing. This is a permanent kind of remaining from God. In the same way God remained or abided with Jesus, so God also remains and abides with us through the Holy Spirit. And it is that Holy Spirit that Jesus reminds us of in this closing teaching of His. And so when we talk about abiding, we're talking about the very nature of God. This is something that God does towards us. God abides with us before we ever abide with God. Second, the second time this word is used happens just a few verses later in the same opening chapter of John. Two of John the Baptist's disciples here, John the Baptist call out to Jesus as the Lamb of God, and so they follow Jesus. Jesus turns around and asks them what they want, to which they reply, Rabbi, Where are you staying, remaining, abiding? Jesus says to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, remaining, abiding. And they remained, stayed, abided with him that day. There is the sense that the disciples are those people who remain, stay, abide with Jesus. Disciples are those who are present to Jesus, who show up to Jesus, who live and dwell with Jesus. To abide is not a one-time thing, as we know from this story, but this is their introduction to the life of discipleship. They are called to come and see, and then the next thing we read is that they are staying, abiding, remaining with Jesus in life with Him. And so, when we talk about abiding, we're talking about the very nature of discipleship. To be a disciple means to abide and dwell and give attention to Jesus. 
And so I want to bring these two points together about this word abide. These first two times we hear the word used in John's gospel and taken together, when we talk about abiding, we are talking about the nature of God. A God who lovingly abides with us in the person of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we're also talking about discipleship. A disciple is one who abides in relationship with Jesus. And even more specifically, this is not a generic abiding or dwelling or hanging out, but this is an abiding and dwelling in love, in the love of Jesus, in the loving instruction of Jesus. And the reason I make that more specific pointed point is I want us to see the loving nature of abiding because I think it's what Jesus wants us to see. Jesus invites us to abide in His deep love so that we might bear the fruit of loving each other. Jesus invites us to abide in His deep love so that we might bear the fruit of loving each other. If we continue to read these closing teachings of Jesus at the end of John's gospel, then we better see the nature of this abiding to which Jesus calls us. Because in the very next verse, Jesus lets us know that we are called to not just any kind of remaining, but to remaining in His love. Remain in my love. Abide in my love. And the best way we show that we are abiding is through obeying. The best way we show that we are remaining is through obeying, through obedience to the commands of Jesus. But if we keep reading even further, then we realize there is one specific command that Jesus has in mind. Loving one another. What Jesus is calling us to is a life where we dwell in His love then we will become those who love those around us. You see, that's the secret of abiding. It's never just for our sake or just for the sake of my relationship with Jesus, but it always propels us outward to others, to loving others. This is the life we're called to live. This is the deep kind of life of discipleship. Now, this is the point of my sermon as I'm coming to a close where it would be very tempting for me to give some kind of big dramatic to-do list that would make abiding seem like the best thing ever. But but I'm not sure that 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 would be the most faithful way to end this sermon for two reasons. First, A life of abiding guarantees a life of pruning. A life of living in and with an attentiveness to Jesus does not always create a comfy, cozy experience for us. Instead, Jesus promises us that this deep relationship with Him will cut us back. It will cleanse us at times. That the gardener, 
will do transformative work in our lives so that we might produce the good fruit of loving one another. And that transformation is, is not always a pleasant experience. And so I don't, I don't want to polish up too much this idea of abiding, but instead want to be honest that abiding means pruning. And the second reason why I'm hesitant to end with a big dramatic to-do list to make abiding seem like the best thing ever is because a life of abiding looks very ordinary. And I think we sometimes make a mistake of trying to describe discipleship in these extreme and extravagant ways, when more often than not, following Jesus, abiding with Jesus, remaining in Jesus is done in the most everyday, ordinary kinds of ways. And so instead, I want to invite us to ordinary abiding. Instead, I want to invite us to honest abiding. Honest in the sense of, yes, there will be fruit, but there will also be times of pruning. Yes, there will be abundance, but there will be times of challenge and difficulty where the gardener is working on us in such a way so that we might produce more and better fruit. But I also want to invite us into ordinary abiding, that remaining with Jesus is much like those disciples who first came to Him in the opening chapter of John. There's a simplicity in how Jesus makes the invitation to them. He simply says, come and see. And then we imagine those two disciples simply following behind him as they go to see where he dwells. And then, as he moved on to another place, they went there as well. They followed him in the simple, ordinary rhythms of life. They abided with him in the simple, ordinary rhythms of life. And that, that's also the kind of abiding that we're invited into. As we move about our daily activities this week, as we interact with spouses, as we try to raise children, as we try to be good workers, as we try to rest and play, as we try to make a difference in our place of work, that while we do all of these ordinary things, that we're invited in those moments to be attentive and aware of the love of Jesus. And the more we're attentive and aware of the love of Jesus, we'll produce fruit, fruit that looks like loving those in our midst. So this week, I invite us I invite us to remember who God is, a God who abides with us. 
but also to remind us of what it means to be a disciple, to be men and women who choose to remain with and in the love of Jesus, trusting, trusting that the gardener is working a miracle in us, working something majestic in us, working something that we ourselves could not create on our own. And in due time, in due season, through those difficult times and through those ordinary times, we will produce the fruit of love that was planted first deep in us by our loving gardener, Father. Amen.